Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You have the Biden administration giving $6 billion to Iran. Now understand they didn't write the check. What they did is allowed the money that has been frozen due to sanctions to be unfrozen as part of a prisoner swap deal. We get five Americans back, they get five Iranians back, and yet they get access to $6 billion that was frozen. Sanctions have worked in absolutely debilitating Iran. Sadly, they haven't worked to the point where the people rise up against the Ayatollah, the mullahs, the hardliners, and the clerics, although there have been opportunities, and I think opportunities squandered. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. But why is the Biden administration, almost as if it's a page out of the Obama administration, allowing $6 billion to change hands? Senator Todd Young joins us right now. Senator from Indiana, very, very focused on conversations of foreign policy and national security. Uh, They announced this on September 11th that $6 billion is going to go with these five prisoners in exchange for five U.S. prisoners. Are you okay with this deal, sir? You know I'm not, uh, Tony. This is uh, outrageous. This is ill-advised. This is counterproductive, meaning it will it will not net-net lead to fewer Americans held. Uh, it will lead to far more in the future. Um, this is the wrong direction to go. Our country has had a longstanding no-concessions policy. Um, it has uh, been one of the cardinal principles of our foreign policy in the modern era. We never provide ransom payments. And when we do, when presidents do, um, they're taken to the woodshed. President Obama, as you alluded to, released hundreds of millions of dollars, $400 million in liquidated assets to Iran in 2016. Uh, A number of us at that time warned that this dangerous precedent would put a price on American lives. This is exactly what has happened. More Americans have been snatched than otherwise would have been. And now the Biden administration proposes we, we, we spend 15 times, 15 times what was spent in the Obama era to spring loose a handful of Americans. Tony, let me be really clear from the outset here. We need to do everything we can, everything responsibly that we can to exert leverage and to get those Americans free. But this is highly, grossly irresponsible. Um, we need to apply leverage on, on, our, on, on our friendly countries uh, to use their diplomats, to use their pressure campaigns to help us get these Americans free. Is we the are issue- the leading military and economic and diplomatic country in the world and if we bring to all our, bear all our pressure and make this a diplomatic priority, we can accomplish our goal of getting Americans free, but not writing a big check to the mullahs uh, when they've been seizing oil tankers, la- launching missiles and drones uh, across the region and beyond, uh, threatening our service members, seizing U.S. hostages and, and so many other malign 
activity. Let me, let me interrupt you there for a moment. We, we I have uh, addressed what uh, the Iran military has been doing and their offshoots in the Straits of Hormuz and going after oil tankers. Uh, and this, yes. this is well noted. Uh, but I, be, before I, I move on, I want to ask a question. Is the issue that it's $6 billion? Is the issue that it was a billion dollars? Is there a dollar number that ever works? And if not... Is it okay to look at American families and say we're not going to make this trade? No, the the, the issue is is not the dollar figure. No amount of money is appropriate. We need to look at the family members and explain to them that we're doing every conceivable, responsible uh, uh, thing we can to to free their loved ones. But we what we cannot do is create a situation where additional families, additional Americans uh, are are being detained in the future on account of uh, grossly irresponsible policies, uh, writing big multi-billion dollar checks to the leading state sponsor of terror. There is a reason, Tony, that uh, this was announced in the wake of 9-11's anniversary. This is a public relations uh, setting aside the, the monetary dimension of it, this is a public relations uh, breakthrough for the Islamic Republic of Iran. What they have done is they have broken our State Department uh, with this latest ransom deal. And um, it's going to be very dangerous uh, to so many Americans in the future. So uh, we do need to be screaming from the rooftops. Um, we... we um, we need to disincentivize any future leader from doing this, and we need to make this hurt. We need to make this hurt um, uh, within the uh, administration so we don't see any more of this activity moving forward. Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, young.senate.gov. You sit on the uh, U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations. As we deal with other nations and they see a deal like this made, um, has there already been a response? It, do things become tougher, easier? What is it that you usually happens on, on foreign relations when a deal like this uh, happens? And did you get consulted at all? Was anybody in the Senate consulted before this deal was made? I can't speak to all of my colleagues, but uh, I'm not aware of any of my colleagues who were consulted before this deal was made. My hope uh is and I will advocate for uh, public hearings in the wake of this to figure out uh, what what led to this deal, um, to determine uh, with whom the administration consulted and, and in order to change longstanding policy and uh, abandon our no concessions uh, against terrorist regimes uh, policy um, and. Uh, the implications, as, as, I, as I talk to diplomats here in Washington, D.C., as I travel around the world and, and visit with leaders of government, is it screams weakness. You know, it, it's, it's just like uh, President Biden's recent statements in the Indo-Pacific about why he was there. Um, that, too, screams weakness. Uh, On one hand, I'll I'll commend the administration for going out and trying to build ties among other countries. But all of that gets undermined when you're writing checks to terrorist regimes and uh, when you are indicating that uh, you're not really 
trying to win this uh, global competition of values against uh, outlaw regimes like Iran, China, Russia, and Venezuela. Let me let me move it over to to a China conversation because while uh, Joe Biden was in in Vietnam. Uh, amongst some other very noteworthy uh, statements like uh, he's going to bed, he made the statement that he's not trying to contain China. He wants China to do uh, well, but he wants to be able to have a relationship. It was uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Fox News who referred to this as naive. Listen. Martha, that's just hopelessly naive and something out of decades gone by. Uh, the place that America finds itself is a direct result of Xi Jinping's behavior. This isn't a dislike for the Chinese people or a dislike for the Chinese government per se. It is Xi Jinping's aggression against America. Is it naive to say, or is it just something that gets said while you're in this diplomatic world and the actions uh, could be very, very different? Or should the United States position proactively and vocally be, we want to contain China? The latter. Uh, Our position should be, we want to contain China. We want to contain uh, their... uh, illegal behavior, and there's illegality occurring on a daily basis uh, uh, when, when they uh, steal our intellectual property, when they grab territory, uh, including entire seas like the South China Sea, rewriting international lines, turning that sea into a lake, thereby undermining our, our international shipping, when they intimidate their neighbors, including uh, Taiwan, where so many of our semiconductors are currently made, when they conceal information during the early days of a global pandemic, consequences of, of, of which, uh, we all know, led to millions of, upon millions of people's lives being disrupted and, and uh, loss of life. Um, I mean, the, the, the list of charges goes on and on and on. We want to contain that behavior. And, you know, it really misses the point to say we want, you know, happy, go lucky. We want everyone to be happy. We want to deepen our relationship with Vietnam, which is where the president uttered the we don't want to contain China comment. Um, The reason he's visiting these countries is obviously to contain China's worst behavior, to send a message, an unambiguous message that for to those who are undecided about which horse to back in the defining challenge of the 21st century, that America is here in the Indo-Pacific, we're here to stay, and we're going to defend our, our rules-based order, our rules of commerce. We're going to defend uh, the rules that indicate that responsible militaries have to talk to one another so there's not miscalculation. We're going to f- defend rules around use of nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. Yeah, these rules benefit the American people. They have for generations, and we're going to defend them against Xi Jinping and his slaveholder state. And, and when he departs from that kind of, of, of muscular message, um, it, it, it's a distraction, and it's confusing to people. Everyone knows we'll continue to trade at some level with China. I support that. It will be silly. It would be uh, certainly not in the interest of American people if we were to just raise a, a drawbridge and stop trading with the Chinese, uh, which is why trade actually increased during the Trump years, and it's increased since then. Um, but 
to, to get on that sort of line of messaging when you're visiting the Indo-Pacific um, is, is it's the same sort of indecision. It's the same sort of tone deaf messaging that we saw coming out of the administration uh, when they delayed shooting down the Chinese balloon. It's the same sort of indecision uh, that is demonstrated when the Chinese will not talk to your top leaders and you dispatch your secretary of treasury and then your secretary of, of commerce to China begging for meetings with top Chinese officials. We need to look strong. We need our president to look strong. He looks weak. He looks weak. Um, yeah, on, on, on television, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's not a cheap shot against, you know, an octogenarian. He looks weak on account of the things he says. I, I because think, people assume. I was um, going to say that those, I think the the the, the yeah. use of the word octogenarian might speak for itself, sir. Talking to Senator uh, Todd Young, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I, I wanted to. I've got two other subjects before I, I let you go, and I, I don't mean to to interrupt. And one of them is is that uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has uh, suggested that he is now open to an impeachment inquiry. Now, this is not an impeachment, which would be in the House of Representatives, and if they were to vote to impeach, there would be a trial in the Senate to which you would once again sit for another trial. That would be three, I believe, uh, for for you, sir, which is uh, a hat trick uh, of of impeachment trials. Um, Is there a feel amongst Senate Republicans that an impeachment inquiry is worthy, or do you believe this is a waste of time that impacts negatively chances in 2024? There hasn't been a lot of chatter, believe it or not, in the midst of of government shutdown conversations, Uh, you know, this revelation about uh, ransom payments, uh, things we're dealing with on, on the China technology front, on and on about impeachment yet. But with that said, I I, I think it's safe to say there are probably differing views on this. Here is my view. My view um, hasn't changed over the last few years. I warned in the first uh, impeachment of President Donald J. Trump that the manner in which it was conducted was impulsive, was devoid of the sort of, of process that one would expect for, some, for a step as serious as impeachment. And I said, when you do that, when you engage in what someone might call a, a snap impeachment process, whatever you strongly suspect might be uh, the appropriate outcome of that process, you're supposed to have process, sort of consistent with our, our, our legal tradition. And when you don't have process, you incentivize people in the future to have more impeachments. I warned that in impeachment number one against Trump. Within you know a year or two, we, we had another impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Again, the process was abbreviated. It was only after the impeachment trial in the United States Senate that the House went back and engaged in, in a searching, probing, public process. People can be the judge of, of whatever came out of that. Here we are again, and there's talk about having an abbreviated process. I hope if they go down this road, um, it is very public. They let the facts, which are elicited, speak for themselves. And if there's nothing there in the end, fine. But, you know, it's the job of the House of Representatives to look into these sorts of things. There is, you know, there's a lot of smoke 
And I don't know if there's fire there. There's a lot of smoke. They need to look into these things. I would say they need to look into these things before they start talking about impeachment. That's my view. My conversation with Senator Todd Young went even longer. And I do want to share a part two with you. Now, the whole po- the, the whole interview will be up at the podcast. Wherever you get the podcast, you'll be able to get the whole interview with Senator Todd Young. He's taking part in this in this AI forum that's going on. And and is it was it was a worthy conversation or start of a conversation on artificial intelligence. I want to share that with you. I'll bring that to you next. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. I just wanted to share this with you. The interview with Senator Todd Young went pretty long. I had no way of sharing all of it, but he, he's taking part in this AI forum. He's helping to put it uh, together regarding artificial intelligence, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, a host of, of, of others. And his commentary about it was pretty interesting about uh, where he sees the challenges and the problems with artificial intelligence. And increasingly, as you indicate, it's going to disrupt a, a, a lot of people's work life um, in the way all technologies had. It will, in the process, make us one would expect a lot more productive. Um, but this technology, if, if we don't address some of the, the risks that come with it, um, it, uh, it could really be dangerous. So among the risks are, let's say you go in and, and apply for credit uh, from a bank. Well, a bank may use this supercharged uh, technology to determine who should get a loan and who shouldn't get a loan. Well, you know, there are certain uh, variables they shouldn't look at. It would be inconsistent with our values. If they start looking at somebody's, you know, uh, uh, racial or, or ethnic status, I think we would all agree that's, that's, that's not appropriate when you're looking um, at a loan. Well, it's a computer program. If you don't tell it not to look at some of this stuff, it might. So that's a risk we need to address. We also need to make sure that you know, one cannot type in a, a request to allow you to get access to ingredients that would lead to the creation of a bioweapon in your garage or basement that might be unleashed on all of Indiana, perhaps all of the world. That would be a really bad thing. So we're trying to figure out how to mitigate that risk. So there's a handful of these risks that are creepy to us. Deep fakes is another risk as, as we head into election year. Uh, we don't want somebody pretending to be Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden and, and um, saying certain things the day before an election that could undermine their ability to get elected. So how do you regulate that? But the upside potential, let's not lose sight of that. Every person in the world can have access to their own private individualized tutor so anybody can learn just about anything at their own pace in a way tailored to uh, their, their own learning um, uh, preference. Um, we, can, we can come up with personalized medicine so we get breakthroughs in cancer much more quickly. Uh, more crop, worry, uh, more resilient crops. What's that? Do you worry that the idea of saying, okay, the the uh, algorithm can't do this and can't do that, is actually a conversation about censorship and silencing and preventing certain information yes, from getting out? I do. This is I I do worry about that, which is why I'm in the room. I want to prevent regulatory sort of overshooting. 
Find my full interview with Senator Todd Young on your podcast a platform. I will have it up there for you. And, of course, at TonyKatz.com. That's K-A-T-Z, TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz today. For anything else going on in America right now, the deal with Iran and the $6 billion, the future of, of China and containment strategies or, or, or lack thereof. The impeachment inquiry, which is now underway, and, and I'll get to that. Um, you, we've got here in Indiana um, five different people running uh, for governor, and I was at the event last night. I was there uh, in, in Hamilton County in Noblesville, where the Hamilton County Republican Party was having their, their dinner. I, I wasn't a speaker. I actually attended, bought the ticket, I actually attended, brought the family. Because I, I wanted I wanted to see it. The five candidates are going to be there. I want to see the, the reactions and everything else. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And, and, and I will tell you, uh, from watching uh, the five, um, I can see why there are five people in this race. Absolutely nobody's running away with this thing. This field is wide, wide open for, for governor. As, as for last night... Oddly, it was Suzanne Crouch who had the best speech. I mean, these were short, multi-minute speeches, but actually said she was going to end the state income tax in Indiana. She actually brought a couple of policy prescriptions. Curtis Hill was much more on on the social aspects and had a weird joke making fun of Mitch McConnell and his and his freezing up. I didn't understand why he did it because it wasn't an attack on any of the other candidates. It was just like, hey, let me go for the joke. And you didn't have much time, and that's what you wasted your time on. That's that that was odd to me. Um, Brad Chambers, uh, who is the former Secretary of Commerce, kind of introducing himself to the crowd, if you will. You need to be much more upbeat when you introduce yourself to a crowd. It's not that it was a bad speech. It's just that it had no, it didn't have the right energy. Same with Eric Doden, who I think may have been even purposeful in not bringing energy. It's one thing to talk about having a servant's heart, right, that, that attaches itself to a certain segment, of course, of the Republican, Republican populace in Indiana. But, um... Can, can I get a little enthusiasm? Him and Brad Chambers need to work on that aggressively. And Senator Mike Braun, he was, he he really likes Senator Mike Braun. I mean, I, he's going to go in there and just with some folksy charm, going to razzle-dazzle you. No, he's going to do it with millions of dollars. The problem is Brad Chambers also has millions of dollars. The problem is Eric Doden also has millions of dollars. Uh, Suzanne Crouch, the lieutenant governor, actually made a dig at the people self-funding, right? Oh, you're trying to buy their way into uh, the uh, into the governor's mansion. Uh, maybe. Maybe it sounds like somebody who's uh, kind of jealous that uh, they can't self-fund. But even though I think that... that uh, um, Crouch probably hit the best policy. It was it was the most developed stump speech there. I mean, she even said uh, like it was like an onward to victory and fist in the air at the end. I was like, oh my, that's that's that just doesn't work for you, Lieutenant Governor Crouch. You should you should retire that one. But she did at least have the policy. This is a wide open race, and 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 for for Hoosiers, it's going to matter because you're going to have a say sooner than you know. The primaries in May, May of 2024. But, I mean, all these things are, are going on, and our economy is not in a good place, yet we have the, these Democrats who are desperate to tell you that everything is fine and good and, and great. Did I say hello, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today? 
It's good to be with you. Uh, Dr. Matt Will uh, talked to me about uh, the economy, and I'm like, you know, they, they keep trying to say, you know, the job's this, and look at what we've created here, and look at how inflation is doing there. It's always, look at the numbers. Just look at how great the numbers are. Uh, the numbers uh, don't lie. The oil prices are going up. We've already seen that uh, OPEC said that it would continue keeping the output low, and the United States is not interested in any kind of uh, investment into energy. Tell me how uh, these numbers work for any of us. Well, Tony, you said the numbers don't lie, but let me tell you, the Biden administration does lie. I'm saying it. I'm going to be blunt about it because John Kirby, spokesperson for the White House, two days ago said, quote, Biden is focused on making sure that prices come down for the American consumer. Quote, cringe Jean-Pierre said the same day she said this administration is doing everything in its power to lower the price of gas. Tony, it's a lie. It's a lie. And here's why. This week. This week, Biden canceled oil leases in Alaska. He canceled them. He made a decision to reduce 200,000 barrels per day. Gone. You can't tell me that he's trying to reduce oil prices when he eliminates 200,000 barrels per day, Tony, in one day. And every estimate right now is that the global economy is about 3 million barrels short per day. Our president is 10% of the problem. That's the problem, Tony. It's an outright lie to say that he's trying to get oil prices down because he's not. The increase that we're seeing in prices, uh, the West Texas Intermediate and the Brent crude, does that come from the Biden decision or is there another pressure out there? No, Tony, there's many pressures out there, but the Biden administration is part of it. The fact that we're not exploring, that's one. The fact we're canceling leases, that's two. The fact that the global economy is slowing down, that's three. Why is it slowing down? In part because of the decisions of this administration. There's lots of factors, Tony, that goes into this. But the Biden administration policies are the big part of the problem. Oh, and we didn't even get into what's happening with Iran and and the oil supply there and the six billion dollars we're giving them. Well, I'm going to be talking a lot about the $6 billion that has been unfrozen. Not given. A check is not written. It is money unfrozen. It is a distinction with a difference. It doesn't make it good in either case. Talking to uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Of course, they continue this conversation from the White House about uh, the creation of, of, of jobs. But we have been paying very close attention to what it is the retailers are telling us uh, regarding the holiday season. And we're doing this on a day where Apple is going to be announcing all the new products. Is Apple's announcement in in any way shaped by the fact that people are going to be making much more potentially conservative decisions for this holiday season? There aren't going to be as many gifts. We're already questioning supply chain issues. Or does Apple... uh, have a, have a feeling that people will be long and bullish on their products uh, to the chagrin of everybody else. No, Apple is doing what every retailer does every year, Tony. You know, you can go back and look at my commentary for the last 20 years. Every retailer tries to get you excited. They want you to buy their product. Big announcement today. Retail sales are going to be through the roof this holiday season. It's going to be the best Christmas on record. Tony, they say that every year, and every year the results are different than what they claim. They're trying to hype up their sales. 
But the reality is that right now, inventories are down, back orders are down. You look at the PMI numbers that came out just uh, last week, and the holiday season is already in contraction mode. Manufacturing has seen its first decline globally that we've seen in 20 years. So there is definitely news that this may not be the robust holiday that Apple wants. Now, a lot of this has a, a, a pretty big world of play. Um, and, and we've already know, we've already seen that there is recession in, in Europe and there is slowdown around the globe and specifically um, slowdown for, for China in, in a lot of their maneuvers. And, of course, real estate markets starting to go bust. Uh, the, the moves on, on oil here and the higher prices on oil here, um, it's one thing that we discuss how uh, the White House says one thing but does something completely 180 degrees uh, opposite. Talk to me about what it does for as we head into winter and you're somebody who needs heating oil, what levels of concern, what, le- what, what kind of uh, precautions does one take now or are these people just going to deal with outrageous costs? Are these things connected? Well, first of all, Tony, everybody should go out and buy very heavy blankets in case it gets cold this winter, because the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is at a 40-year low. Biden has drained, Tony, drained 180 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which serves two purposes. People need to understand. Purpose one is national defense. In case we need to tap into oil, in case of a war, we have it. And the second thing is in case of national emergency. What if we have a cold winter? What if we need more oil, Tony? The Strategic Petroleum Reserve may not be there to serve what it's designed to serve, and he wants to tap into it again. Saturday, Tony, he said it at the G20. Again, he said, maybe we'll tap into more of it. Tony, it's at a 40-year low. There's probably nothing left in the barrel. Yeah, uh, that low is is well noted. That's Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. If you want the full interview, uh, be sure to get the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, just look for Tony Katz today. Get the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. The impeachment inquiry is happening. Let's make sure we're all on the same page on what to expect. This is Tony Katz today. Impeachment inquiry is on. Was Kevin McCarthy stepping out there and stating quite clearly that this is going to happen? You know, in the months that we were gone, in the weeks, House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now, here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Yeah, we we knew this for sure. We certainly know that it wasn't the illusion of access. We know it was access. We know that Joe Biden was aware of it, even if he's not aware of it now, because he's really, well, that that inept, that old, um, he knew it then. He knew what was happening. Everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew what was going on. Yes, Joe Biden knew. Because if they want to make the argument that Joe Biden didn't know, the only question that anybody could ask is, how did he not know? Oh, so he was having uh, problems with his mental faculties. Then, got it. 
Understood. Uh, that's why I, I, I say, you know, when I was talking about his commentary regarding September 11th, and I was there at Ground Zero the next day, which is, was a lie, such a disgusting person. I, I have always been the guy saying there's no way that the Democrats are replacing him. It's not enough time to replace him on the ticket. Now I totally believe they will. Because the argument uh, that was utilized against me from you was, Tony, it's the Democrats. They'll do whatever they want. And that argument wins. That argument is the winner. End of list. They don't care. They'll just replace him. And whoever they replace him with, that's the greatest Democrat who ever lived. Everybody loves him. That's the only guy. That's it. Democrats don't do this waffling. Democrats don't do any level of comparison. We're already discussing how they're trying to keep RFK off the ticket. They're desperately trying to keep, not off the ticket, but out of, out of uh, bothering the ticket. They're desperately trying to get Robert Kennedy out of this, not have him be a part of this conversation. Same thing with Cornell West, because they fear that Cornell West will keep the black vote down, and they don't think they can win. Uh, uh, the Democrats can win without the black vote going across the country. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, for example. Republicans, they're always fighting. Whoever the Democrats picked to replace Biden, greatest Democrat in the history of mankind, no one's better. And yes, Michelle Obama will be in that conversation, guaranteed or your money back. <laughs> That's happening. So get used to it, Boo Bear. Get used to it. Back to Speaker McCarthy. Eyewitnesses have testified that the president joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his sons' business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shale companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. It should be understood that there's more already here than was ever compiled against President Trump regarding the phone call in Russia, 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 or insurrection. The impeachment inquiry is happening, and already, you know, uh, the, the Democrats are responding. This was Senator John Fetterman. Of course, with one of his staffers, who I think had to relay the question to him. I'm asking about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry. Has said he's going to. Oh my God! Really? Oh my gosh! You know? Oh, it's devastating. (laughs) Ooh! Don't do it! Please don't do it! Oh no! Oh no! So, John Fetterman's making fun of it. All right, all right. It's it's all a joke. Sure. Great. Terrific. Uh, John Fetterman is confused, but this is not shocking to anybody. But I want to make sure we're not. The objective here is not impeachment. Man, am I going to get yelled at for that one. It's not impeachment. The objective here is is to get information in the hands of the American people and let them make a decision. The question for you is, do you want to punish Biden or do you want to win? 
What's your plan? What are your intentions? Let me share with you mine. My intentions are to win. Do I think Joe Biden's okay? No, I think Joe Biden's a jerk. Do I think Hunter Biden's okay? Please, we know the answer to that question. Do I think they've engaged in criminal activity? Yes. I will let the impeachment inquiry do its job to get the information out. But in the end, what I need is him out of office. And I need people in office who will ensure that I'm able to lead a better life. Same thing for my kids, which means the country endures. I'm after something different, and revenge is not it. If we have power in the hands of rational people, us, well, then other things can happen and you have more time for them. I came to win, not for revenge. Thus, knowing that impeachment is a political process, I want to be political. I want the information out so people understand how things happened. And for those saying to me, hey, the, the, the left won't even report on it, right? Progressives won't report on it anyway. Uh, there is an answer to that. And the answer to that is you're right. So that's inconsequential. But there's a lot of independence who might very well be interested in the information. A lot of moderates and a lot of people who support someone like RFK or Cornell West who might be curious about what's been going on with the Biden team. This is a political process and I'm willing to let it be one. The political left taught us that impeachment is political. Get the information out, get the information flowing, get access to more information, win in 2024. I'm not saying the moment for actual impeachment may not come. I am saying I may have a different goal than you, but I think I have the right goal in mind. Oh, I'm happy to discuss this with anyone, anywhere. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.